Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, happy Thursday, and welcome to another Andy Goldstein TalkSport Daily podcast with me, your host with the very long hair now. Andy Goldstein. And we promise this will be a Sergio Aguero free podcast today. Actually, that's a complete lie. You'll hear from Wayne Rooney a bit later on in the podcast talking about him. But anyway, we begin today with the reaction to Gareth Southgate's England side beating Poland at Wembley in the World Cup last night in the qualifying rounds. This is how it sounded, plus a bit of reaction on TalkSport. Foden taking a corner, coming around the back. It's an excellent header. Maguire! 2-1 to England, who strike from a set-piece yet again. We've got a lot of players out injured. It's obviously strange times with the pandemic and things, and we're missing the fans, definitely. But it's a really positive 10 days for us. We've obviously to, to play the World Cup qualifiers without playing the Euros before, and um, we know how important it was to get off a good start because we want to be at the World Cup, and, and that's the biggest competition in the world, and we've put ourselves in a great position now. Sterling will bring the ball forward. Still England waiting for the first attempt on target. Penalty. Sliding challenge comes in, and it is a penalty. Great run by Raheem Sterling. How anyone can say that's not a penalty is beyond me. Sterling, let's be honest, Sterling... He is, makes it, in, he turns it into a penalty. He's waiting for it, because yeah. he's thinking, if you slide into... Look, yeah. we said about the Matty Cash Harry Kane. Yeah. If you're going to slide into me, yeah. and you're going to bring me down, yeah. it's not Sterling's duty to stay up. Absolutely. Right? There's no law so, saying you have to stay on your feet. So that is totally down to Hillick. Mm-hmm. It's bad defending. And he's rifled it past Nick Pope. The first goal he's conceded for England. And England architects of their own downfall there. John Stones raises a hand of apology. He's attempted to dribble out. It was was disastrous what he was attempting to achieve and he left the goalkeeper absolutely bare and Moda smashed it in the back of the net really really poor from John they've had no chances whatsoever and we've gifted them a goal it's easy to fold in those moments and he didn't he saw the game through with his defending and then he was able to have an impact for the winner at the other end John has come through a lot and he's he's a much tougher much more resilient character for it I didn't see a reaction from our players on the pitch that's when you the top players stand up and be counting and go right still keep giving me the ball I've got enough belief in the players around me we're going to be okay we was very critical and me especially of Gareth Southgate because when it happens like that and your team has no direction right which they didn't then it's up to the manager (laughs) 
we debated for a long time, should we make a change tonight? But I just felt that Foden, Mount, Sterling, Kane were still having really good moments in the game. And there's a danger that you feel pressure to make a change just because you know if you don't and you don't get the win, you're going to get killed. So on the bench, you've got Lingard, Calvert, look, go two up front if you need to. And he'll say he trusts his players and we've won the game. So I suppose you can say that he was right. Mm. But you can't always get yourself out of jail with set pieces. But I didn't think at at that stage we could improve what we had on the pitch. We did hold our our nerve a bit. And, um, you know, thankfully we got the the goal from the set play. He has no idea. He's he's wigging it. Southgate is another yes man. He has no idea. He came in saying, I will play players in form. I will play players in form, whoever they are, whatever they are, you know, whatever they come from, I'll play players in form. So tonight, Harry Kane, he's got another penalty. Great. You know, Dominic Cavalier sit on the bench. We've done okay tonight, but Southgate has no plan B. I don't think there is the uh, faith in Gareth Southgate from the normal football fan that he can rectify problems what England are going to have and and drag the best out. Well, that's what the top managers do. Mm. They drag the best out of what you have. I think that's the worry of England fans. Can South, Gareth Southgate drag the best out of this and, talented and also group of change players. the course of a game, the way yes. the game is going. That's what managers are paid the money for a, a huge amount of things. When Mourinho was at his minutes, pomp, yes, yeah, he'd make substitutions at yeah. half-time, he'd yeah. make them after half an hour. Germany got beat tonight by... It was, it was it, Mas- North Macedonia. North Macedonia. <laughs> Now, you might remember in some previous podcasts, there's been calls for the England under-21 manager, Eddie Boothroyd, to go if we didn't qualify for the Euros. And Ian Moosey-Abraham said he would streak across London Bridge. Well, it nearly happened, but of course, it didn't, because being England, we conceded incredibly late on. The good news is, we won't see the moose naked. Anyway, this is how we reacted to it on TalkSport 2. dream, the impossible dream. The England senior men's job has been called the impossible job, but I think the under-21's job is the utterly impossible job. To fight the unbeatable foe. There's a reason why we haven't won this for 37 years, and there's a reason that we've not progressed as much as we thought we would. Our primary aim is to get players through to Gareth, and that's what we've done. Just the start that England needed. A.D. Boothroyd, under pressure, punches the air in delight. To try when your arms are too weary. Jones with a shot, finds the corner. And England do have that priceless second goal. A roar of relief from A.D. Boothroyd. And the young Lions are finally roaring in the European Championship. This is my quest to follow that star no matter. And it's into the top corner by Bradaric. Disaster for England in stoppage time. Well, I'll carry on supporting Gareth uh, as long as uh, as he needs me. And I'll carry on working with the development teams, the younger teams, getting players through. People say, well, England are good enough. Well, they're not. They've shown they're not good enough. If you'd have had a Trent Alexander-Arnold, for example, in that back line or a Reese James, would he be saying to Jaffet Tangang, hang on, settle down a minute. You don't need to clear every ball first time. Take a touch, retain it, go into midfield. Settle down at, at, at certain situations on the pitch. Retain the, There would have been more leaders out there that would have helped them get to May. Qualification for the knockout stages has been snatched out of A.D. Boothroyd's grasp. 
in the cruelest fashion. I'm fielding a lot of questions about about my future, and um, and, and I think the other key thing we're talking about a lot is the, is the role and about winning. Is is it winning or is it development? It, it's a little bit foggy at the minute. We're not quite sure what it is. I certainly know what it is, and the the rest of the coaches know what we're here to do. We're part of a pathway to produce players for Gareth. I'm confident that I'm doing what's required in the job. Now, Andros Townsend has yet to open discussions with Palace over a new contract. Having been told by the club, they're not prepared to discuss the player's future until the end of the season. How nice is that? Well, the 29-year-old's current deal expires this summer. Townsend admits that concerns about his future affected his performance earlier in the campaign. I'm not surprised. Sort it out, Palace. I'm one of those players that I've contracted at the end of the season, so I have no idea what's going on myself. Um, I think that we've been told as players that they're going to make decisions towards the end of the season. We have to keep doing what we're doing and yeah. that's it, basically. We're contracted until July the 1st, so until July the 1st, we have to give everything for, for the cause. Absolutely. I, I know that that is football and that's how things work, yeah. but is it a little unsettling, especially like when, I suppose... I suppose you've been at a club for a while and you're kind of like, well, what mm. does the future hold? Is it is it difficult? It's di- it's difficult, yes, but unfortunately that's the times we're living in. We're living in a COVID era where clubs have obviously lost a lot of money through um, lack of fans over the last 12 months. So unfortunately that's the world we live in. Here's the cross from the far post towards Andros Townsend, who's coming in at the back post and he sticks the ball past David De Gea. If I go back to, I think in February, I was out of the team, I wasn't playing well. Obviously, contracts running down. The turn of the year is when you start thinking about, right, I've got six Six months left here and I think I did really struggle because when I was coming on I was always thinking about right I need to play really well here I need to play really well and earn a new contract and it wasn't working mm. and it's only since then that I've kind of realized right what will be will, will be you just do what you're currently doing and things will work themselves out. Now the former Arsenal striker Thierry Henry disabled all of his social media accounts on Saturday describing current levels of racism and bullying on online platforms as too toxic to ignore. Andros Townsend said he'd be happy to boycott social media if other players were to do the same. And Trevor Sinclair believes football missed an opportunity by not following Omri's lead. The former Crystal Palace owner Simon Jordan thinks the Premier League should force those in the top flight to follow suit with Omri if they're serious about change. The ideal scenario would be the Premier League said enough now, right? We want all the clubs, all the players to come offline. So we're going to take millions and millions of traffic out of the event, right? Yeah. We'll make it, it'll be, it'll be a pimple on a backside somewhere, but it will make a noise and the media will pick it up and it will start to get momentum, right? If you really dislike this as much as you yeah. say you do, then have the courage of your convictions and affect yourself as much as people are affecting you. Oh, By coming off social media, you take away some of the commercial opportunities for yourself, you take away some of the ability to leverage your reputation and your brand, but this must mean something to you so if it must mean something to you you have to make a sacrifice Mm. you shouldn't have to but in this world sometimes you do have to I think it's a a missed opportunity from players from football clubs from the governing bodies I feel everyone could have took that same stance now I understand Mm. the amount of people that are involved there's jobs involved when you start talking about football clubs but I think this was an opportunity for football as a whole to go against social media and what social media is allowing with racism hate on the social media platforms. And I think if enough of football did come off social media, it could start a domino effect and it could be a catalyst to other sports. It's going to take someone like Thierry Henry, world-renowned figure, to get the ball roll- rolling. But ultimately, one player leaving social media is not going to force these big companies into into changing the way they do things. It's, it's going to take other players, other actors, singers, and all these big media figures to kind of 
to take a stance and really protest and to really get changed because it's true. I didn't think of it, but he's actually right. He's exactly right what he says. You put a video without copyright permission, gone. It's gone like that. So mm -hmm. it can be done when it's obviously hurting them. It can be done. So why are we not doing it for racism? Me leaving social media, nobody will bat an eyelid. But if there's <laughs> if there's 50, 100, 200 of us, of course, I'll be a part of it for sure. Now, Rebecca Welsh has become the first female referee to be appointed to a game in the English Football League. She told White and Jordan that she's had no preferential treatment in her rise to the top. I went through the men's pathway from starting off as a, as a referee and I would never, I wouldn't go back and change that. I absolutely love being involved in the, the men's game. So yeah, very few females, but you know, I've worked really hard and, and when I've gotten promoted, I've always been in a, a position that warranted me to be promoted. So no, I, I don't believe I have. On the flip side of that, you know, I, I haven't really experienced a lot of criticism because I'm a female ref. Yes, because I'm a ref. It's, I think it's just part of the game, but not because I'm a female ref, which I, which has also been really nice. You know that I turn up at men's games, and you know it's not like oh, it's a female ref. It's just like oh, Rebecca Seaty, and, and she's the referee. Back now to England. Well, sort of. This is Mason Mount's dad, Tony, on the Breakfast Show, discussing Thomas Tuchel's arrival at Chelsea, Mason and Declan Rice being busy mates and dealing with criticism of his son at football matches. It is tough as a dad because I know him and I know what he's doing. And, you know, anybody who knows football knows that, you know, Frank Lampard's not picking him for 80 games because he likes him and he's a nice lad. He's picking him because he wants to win football matches and he trusts him. And, you know, he's a go-to player and he was a go-to player with Frank. And Frank played him in probably five, five different positions for Chelsea over 80 games. That doesn't mean anything to me. People say what they want. True Chelsea fans who watch the game, you know, 40,000 to go every week and support Mason unbelievably. It's a swung in and the header goes in. Beautifully taken goal. Good run across the edge of the six-yard box and it was Rice that actually got goal side. It's been an amazing journey. I mean, Mason and Declan met at eight years of age. I remember the day Declan turned up for a trial and, and stuck one in the top corner from centre of midfield <laughs> and uh, they signed him straight away. And Mason and Declan hit it off from that moment on that pitch, you know, and they've been best friends and close ever since. And uh, even um, when, when Declan left Chelsea, you know, they stayed friends and, and they're best mates. You know, I go around Mason's house um, and, and Declan's there and, and the same vice versa. So that, that, that in itself is, is unbelievable. We're very friendly and very close with Declan's mum and dad as well as a family. Spent lots and lots of times at tournaments and holidays with them and, and go out for dinner with them. So it's just, it's just amazing and it's great to see them playing together. It is about results for us as managers. We, we always try to bring in performance, to bring in uh, like develop players, to improve players. I had concerns because obviously, you know, you, you don't know what the agenda is, but, you know, Mason's put that right I think Thomas Tuchel came in and obviously made a statement in the first game for a number of reasons mm. and played experience in his opinion but um, Mason got on and has played nearly all bar two games I think started all bar two games under Thomas Now was Man City's Sergio Aguero all that? Well yes of course he was and of course he was one of the best players in Premier League history his Derby County manager Wayne Wazaruni to tell us why Outstanding player, he's been an absolute revelation um, in the Premier League, one of the best strikers in the world. His goal ratio is incredible and I'm sure he'd be missed at Manchester City um, and I'm sure the Premier League will miss a player of his quality. So 
Um, from my point of view, I'd just um, like to congratulate him on his, his career over here, um, whether he stays in England or not. Obviously, I don't know, but he certainly had a fantastic career with Manchester City. But here's Aguero inside the penalty area! Sergio Aguero! Oh my God! Well, that's it. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcast. From I'm back on Andy Goldstein's Join the Time show on TalkSport with Goffey from 4pm. Looking back at that amazing England victory over Poland. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy Goldstein TalkSport daily podcasts out first thing in the morning. So do what you've got to do to get it. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. And above all, be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from TalkSport. 